Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and I have with me today Rena Van Alst. Hi, Rena. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I am doing very well, thank you. This is another one of our Rena and Amanda in conversation where we talk about the week's challenges and the week's wins. How's your week been? Oh, it's been pretty good actually. I've been quite busy, but apart from that, it's actually been quite productive, which is good. Yes, I have been doing a bit this week on the YSP membership site and building up some content and getting excited about what we're delivering for our members there. So that's where my head's been at, which is sometimes a nice break from the the cold face of a legal practice. Yeah, it's a creative side that you can actually give some time and attention to. Yeah, definitely. And I do enjoy that. Let's jump straight in, Rena. What has been your challenge this week? On the 25th of March, Strata Community Australia and New South Wales had their owner's day at the Masonic Centre in Goulburn Street, which was quite a wonderful day. And I just wanted to mention that on online for everyone to, to sort of understand this is an annual thing that's undertaken and members should try and get to that as well. Mm. And one of the owners in the audience actually raised an issue about their records being thrown out after the statutory period. Right. And they're actually in a legal case, so they obviously needed their records for a period beyond that. And it was really hard for people to, people to understand, I think, even when the panel was trying to answer the question, that basically as an agent, you are the custodian of the records. They're actually not your records to do what you want with them. Now, in the Act, it talks about Section 180 talk relating to records being retained for a statutory period. It even goes through what records should be kept. Yeah, basically, the following have to be retained for seven years. Any records, notices and orders required to be kept under this division, minutes of meetings, financial statements and accounting records, correspondence, etc. So there's quite a long list there that mm-hmm. talks about what has to be kept. And I think what agents have done historically, and I know many people have done this because I've worked in a practice previous to the one that I'm in now, where they just go into the archive room and they look at the last date and then they just throw out the, the one that's one year over the statutory period. Mm. Without actually going back to the Owners Corporation or the Strata Committee and asking them, well, these are the records that we've got, the seven years has now expired, what would you like us to do with them? Mm. So managing agents, I think, should sort of understand that you really can't throw away the records without actually getting the consent of your principal, which is obviously the Owners Corporation in this instance. Mm. And when you take on a new scheme, sometimes what I've found is that, you know, sometimes I don't even have seven years' worth of records handed over. Yes, I would think that that's unusual. That's certainly been my experience having to go and conduct inspections for legal cases that sometimes I can't get more than the last three years. Yeah, that's right. And even though it may be in archives, Amanda, like sometimes it's not actually on hand because of the fact mm. that boxes. But the issue is that sometimes agents, and I know they've actually thrown, you know, legal files away. And yeah. <laughs> Someone said, oh, but an agent will never throw away the minute book. I'm thinking, yeah, but then why would you throw any other part of it away? Exactly, yeah, where's the line? Now, what I'm interested in here, does the agency agreement say anything about the agent's obligation to keep the records? Is this dealt with in the standard agency agreement? Yeah, that's, actually, that's a really good question, man. I actually haven't mm. had a look at it, but I would have thought that in terms of under the Property Stock Agents Act where you, you have the, the law of agency, 
that sort of concept where you would require your um, principal's consent yes. to do that would, would sort of override that. But I actually yeah. will have a look at the agency agreement and that's a very good thing to look at actually. Yeah. I think I'm really... What I'm getting at here is, and we do the same thing as lawyers, of course, we have to hold records on behalf of our clients. And I know that we do in my practice deal with this in the cost agreement. So in the, mm-hmm. the retainer contract, we say that we will hold your records for a period of seven years. And after that seven years, you agree to us discarding those records. Mm. And on signing the cost agreement, you are therefore agreeing that those are the terms of our engagement. So you're actually giving us consent at the time of entering into the contract. And I wonder if agency agreements deal with that. If they don't, query should they? And does that protect the agent if they have a clause that is allowing them down the track to discard records without getting that consent because ostensibly they already have it. Yeah. Well, I think in the case of lawyers, I mean, you, you don't actually continually act for a, a scheme for seven years. Yep. Normally, Good you point. know, you're there for one or two years at the most, hopefully, yes. um, if it's, if it's not, it doesn't matter. But, and then, you know, you don't have much contact with the client, whereas as an agent, you're, you're always in contact with your um, committee. So mm. to me, it's just, you know, something that would just seem common sense just to send a quick email to the committee and say, you know, we have X amount of boxes. Do you want us to keep them here or do you want us to send them to the building mm. or discard them? Or sorry, I don't mean keep them here, discard them or yep. yeah, send them to the building. So yeah, I'll, I'll actually have a look, Amanda, at, at the the SCA standard agency agreement and see if it deals with that. It's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. And let's come back and, and have another chat about that yeah. one. Okay. So my challenge for this week, we've talked a little bit on the show, Rena, about agency agreements under the new New South Wales law and what's happening to them come 30 May 2017. For those agreements that are on rollover, our new legislation here says that they are automatically going to come to an end on the 30th of May this year. And I know you are seeing, as am I, lots of buildings and strata managers scrambling to get new agreements in place and buildings looking around for new strata managers. And a question that has come up around this new legislation is if an agreement is on rollover and the legislation says it's going to expire on the 30th of May, does the owners corporation still have to give three months notice of termination if they want that agreement to end? Because the standard agency agreement does say that an owners corporation who wants to terminate the agreement after the expiry date must give three months notice in writing to the managing agent. So on the one hand, we have the legislation that says if you're on rollover, then your agreement's automatically going to end 30th of May. And then we have the contract that says you must give three months notice. So I have been asked by a building and also by a strata manager, which prevails basically? Does this building still have to give the three months because we have the legislation that says it automatically expires? Yeah, well, the delegation is terminated basically after 30th of May. They can't, an agent really can't continue to act on behalf of that owners corporation yes so my advice has been well the legislation trumps the contract we have a statute telling us that this agreement is going to come to an end and the agent's going to lose their powers so even if the owners corporation hasn't given that three months notice then my view is that agreement still comes to an end and that's the advice that i've given you agree with that rena yeah that's that's right i think amanda I had a scheme that came to me because a lot of them are having their AGMs in April mm. and some early May, and and I've been asked the question in terms of the three months notice, etc. So mm. yeah, I think after you 
gave the advice that I agree that that should be the case because the act overrides any contract and basically mm. and I think agents, some agents are aware of this, some agents aren't aware of it. Some agents actually have their own agreements and I've seen one where it's only a month's notice that's needed. So, um, yeah, yes. in those cases it's probably a bit easier. But the ones that have the three months, I think I'm not sure if any agents will try and enforce the payment of mm. that notice period being um, – not being worked through, so yes, that could be another issue. I'm not sure of how that would work for some yeah uh, managers, but well, we'll certainly see that crop up. I'm sure as we get closer to that date, but yeah, certainly as far as I'm concerned, the legislation says the agreement comes to an end, even if notice hasn't been given, it comes to an end on the 30th yeah. of May. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about some nicer things, perhaps, Rena. Some wins for this week. Yeah, I was actually going to mention the same thing in terms of what you just said, where the contract doesn't end, uh, does end on the 30th of May. That was going to be what I was just going to mention. So um, yep. thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. What, what's happening in uh, in your world with the 30th of May? Yeah, I've got quite a few buildings that will be coming on. So um, yeah. yeah, I'll be very, very busy <laughs> um, at, at time periods, actually. I think for a lot of managers, whether they're taking on new schemes or or getting ready to hand schemes over, I think that period, the next sort of six weeks is going to be quite busy, I think, for lots of people. Yeah, definitely. All good stuff, though, if you're in uh, the strata sector in whatever capacity. (laughs) Yeah. Well, something nice that I wanted to talk about today, Rena. I had a very interesting conversation with some people who have now become my clients. They are a young couple with a, a young family, and they want to buy into Strata. They're renting at the moment and they want to basically buy their first home. And they are entering this Sydney property market. And of course, it is highly competitive. And they are pretty much priced out of buying a unit, let's say. So they have gotten a little bit creative. And they have said, we are going to make an offer to a Strata building to purchase part of the common property. And the part of the common property we have our eye on is the roof space. Wow. And they haven't actually got one particular building in mind. They have a number of buildings in mind in their local area, which they like very much. And they have gone to visit these buildings just on the street and had a look at them. They have found the strata plans and had a look at the strata plans. They have spoken to the council and they are planning to approach the people who live in these buildings and say, hey, are you guys willing to subdivide and sell your roof space to us? And when I say roof space, I mean internal attic space, let's call it. Oh, you don't mean like a harbour view roof I don't mean the rooftop, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, wow, that's pretty gutsy. There are a few, yeah, there are a few buildings around that that is very well suited to, but I'm not sure my clients are in that market. The attic space, I should say, which they can then renovate and create their own small unit in there. And they have approached me to guide them through this process, the process of not only the negotiation with the owners corporation, which will the first step will be through the strata manager, but also the contract for sale and the subdivision process if a purchase price and a sale can be agreed. And after having this conversation with this young couple, I was just so inspired and I thought, hey, these are people who see a problem. They're not going to be defeated by it. They want to own their home in one of Sydney's inner suburbs 
close to the water, and they're going to find a way to do it. And they said that this practice is actually not that uncommon in Europe. And even though in my experience it's not that common here in uh, at least in Sydney. So I'm really excited to see that play out and I really hope that we can engage with a few buildings who are interested in engaging with them and I just think it's a win-win. When you say roof attic space, like what sort of area are we talking about in terms of size? Yeah, well, they have been able to identify buildings where they can track down the architect. So what they've okay. done is they've, they've found the building, got the address, gone to the council, been able to track down architects who are familiar with the area or who have done some work within the building. And wow. then they've spoken to these architects and they have told them, yes, I know that building and that has a significant roof cavity, call it, which, yes, you could make into a livable space. And in some cases there are the plans for the building are within council, so they've been able to see those and it's just a bit of a guest job at this point in time. But that's where the conversation starts. Hey, are you interested? Can we come in and have a look and see if this is feasible? So would there be like would it be like a more of a studio apartment type of thing or would it could it be larger than that depending on yeah. how Yeah, so it's it's quite an interesting um way to try and get into the into the property market. It's very innovative. And I think in yeah, someone was saying at the SCA owners day that in Europe in terms of like floorboards and things like that where people talk about, you know, various codes and BCAs. I mean, you know, Europe's had floorboards for over 50, 60 years. So sometimes I think we lag behind some of the innovation and the um, practicalities that exist in in, in other countries where apartment living has been prevalent for a much longer period. Yeah, definitely. And I think it is that cultural shift. We do in Australia have this concept of our our own space, our backyard, our Mm. quarter acre block. And that carries over, unfortunately, I think, to community living where people say, well, I have a right to do what I want in my home, yeah, to not be impacted by those around me. And I think you're right, Rena, in communities like Europe and, and I think the US is better at this as well, where this multi-owned property living has been going on for much longer, mm. people are a lot more accepting and forgiving and understanding yeah. and this is just the way we live. So, And also, too, in Europe, Amanda, like uh, in terms of the rental situation, that you don't have short leases like we have in Australia, which are 12 months or six months. In Europe, families can live in an apartment for like 10 or 15 years. Sometimes you have generations living there. There's more yes. protection, I think. So it's really their home as opposed to whereas in Australia, it's, I think people – want to get own their own home because in a sense, you know, you don't know when your landlord's going to want to move back into the apartment mm. or renovate or sell. And there's always that sort of short-term feature that sort of exists in the back of your mind when you're renting that this is not really going to be permanent and it's as permanent as, as the landlord um, wants to move back in, sell, renovate, etc. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a key point of difference definitely that changes the way we perceive property here in this country. Yeah, and, and I think I'm not sure if you saw the um, recent price increases that were in the media. I think Sydney was 18.9% compared to Perth that was minus 4.7 oh or something like That's that. So crazy. Sydney and Melbourne, the, the highest too, yeah, with double-digit increases over the last 12 months, which is making, I think, a lot of people, um, you know, get, it's getting harder to get to buy property. But also I think for people that own in Strider Apartments, it's obviously increasing the value quite significantly in a very short period of time. Yes. It plays into so many different factors, doesn't it? 
strata yeah. managers then being responsible for these multi-million dollar assets mm. to an extent and and committee members volunteer committee members often with no experience or education in this mm. aspect of managing these very valuable properties so yeah that's right Okay, well, I think that's it for this week, Rena. Is there anything else you want to add? No, not at all, Amanda. All, all good. Thank you. Excellent. I will catch you next time. Okay, then. Bye. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today?